What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show, everybody. Episode 739 of I Doubt It. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by the lovely, talented, scholarly, Brittany E. Page. Well, that was really official. We have returned. We have returned from the the great gem state of Idaho. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and Washington. And Washington, but the graduation mm-hmm. was in Idaho. yes. Quite the event. Yes. And now you've returned with a, a new favorite song. <laughs> well, listen, years ago we did the Friday song mm-hmm. and were lambasted for getting it stuck in people's heads. And yes. then it subsequently led to other songs that mm-hmm. end up stuck in people's heads. Well, we've done a few Christian songs. Oh, yeah. Like over the, the years. The, the God is not dead theme. The, something about the lion or whatever. Yeah, we did that. And there, I remember there was one that we heard in an Uber one time or something that oh, we shazammed. We did we, a whole whole bunch of those where I record, like, we. it was like a spate of Christian music being played in, in Ubers. Yeah, well, and this is what we like to do. We like to introduce the audience to amazing Christian tunes, and it, we're going to bring that to you today as well from is, a Matthew West. Is that what it is? We want to bring it to them, or we want to torture them like you've tortured me? <laughs> no, no. this is your favorite song. Do not blame this <laughs> oh, on me. Oh, my favorite you've been, song. You've been walking around talking about uh, Matthew West and how he's been nominated for five Dove Awards, and he won an American Music Award. You've been singing oh, right. Matthew West praises I around wish, here. I'll tell you that I right now. I wish we were filming right now yeah. because as you're reading his... I'm, what I'm, I'm not uh, reading it. That's I w- That's a memory I have <laughs> of you walking around the house singing his praises and his achievements, all of his accolades. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> yeah. Weird how his Wikipedia yeah, page is open on anything. your computer. you anything. There's nothing here. So anyway... What? <laughs> Matthew West, uh, a tremendous artist, yeah. has written a song called Modest is hottest. And I thought it was a joke. Honestly, I clicked on it to listen to it and I thought it had to be a joke. And I don't think it's a joke because I I went to his his Twitter page. He has a a Twitter page and he pinned his tweet of this song and says, my daughters might actually disown me after this one. Laugh emoji. Modest is hottest is available now. And the music video premieres, blah, blah, blah. It's for all of the fathers out there whose daughters are joining TikTok and starting to date. The struggle is real. And then in another tweet, he says, this song is a lighthearted take on an age old struggle Mm. and followed it up by saying, as a dad raising daughters, This song is my ridiculously silly way of reminding them that their appearance doesn't define them. Although the song really conveys that it does define you because you need to wear certain clothes. Right. Because your appearance defines you. Yes. Now I'm getting all serious. And anyway, here here we're going to debut the song on the show. Oh. Just to get it stuck in your heads, too. Dear daughter. It's me and father, I think it's time we had a talk The boys are coming around cause you're beautiful And it's all your mother's fault And I've been trying hard to raise you up right No drinking, no smoking, no swearing But your old man's got a little more advice When it comes to the clothes that you're wearing Listen Modest is hottest The latest fashion trend a little more Amish, a little less Kardashian. What the boys really love is a turtleneck. 
get a look at his i don't know if you can but like his viewing history on tiktok oh yeah. i wonder how much research he had to do yeah. for the lyrics here like to make sure they're factual right he's like i need to <laughs> i want to make sure what i'm writing about the young girls and crop tops on tiktok i'm gonna need to spend some time on tiktok researching this to make sure my song is accurate well his his research was faulty because uh clearly turtlenecks and a sensible <laughs> pair of slacks are not all the rage with the kids. <laughs> oh. And aside from the jokes and the terrible fucking trash nature of contemporary <laughs> Christian music. Oh god. This is a pernicious a pernicious idea. Yeah, no, it's for sure. It's damaging. It's purity culture. It is objectifying his daughters. Uh, encouraging them to cover up their bodies so that they do not provoke men. I mean, he's not making a song asking men to be respectful of women. And he goes on later in the song to talk about Cardi B and how he doesn't want them to be like Cardi B, but no offense to Cardi B. I'm sure she's a nice person. Right. God bless uh. her or whatever. Um, it's just gross because it really it puts the onus on the woman always not on the dude always it's not respect women yeah no matter what they're wearing respect women boys be like Jesus at all well and also no matter what you're wearing you're worthy right 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 you don't need to be uh, dressing like an Amish person modest is hottest also does he not know that Amish women don't wear fucking sensible slacks why is he not admonishing his daughters to wear pioneer gear? <laughs> wear floor-length dresses, because that's what the 15-year-old boys like. It's uh, it's a nightmare. And so he's uh. he's acting like this is playful. But like we said, it's it's really not. This is purity culture. It causes harm, and it, it puts pressure on girls and women and creates a lot of problems in terms of their how they feel about their bodies when they start to be objectified by men and how that happens and taking blame on that they they shouldn't be taking on yeah. and it it's just it's really disappointing that this is being propped up also how does this song mm-hmm. remind his daughters or women young girls that their appearance doesn't define them when it's all about their appearance it's all about what you wear fucking defining who you are right otherwise you're gonna be looked at as cardi b or the kardashians or the kardashians mm-hmm. a little more homish and a little less kardashian uh this guy's probably a multimillionaire. with this <laughs> ins- i mean i could cut a song I mean, you are right now. You keep doing little variations of the song. You're basically creating your own. I mean, the video looks like it was shot with an iPhone, like in their kitchen. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. I didn't look at the Well, the what numbers. were his accolades again? You you kind of were going through them earlier. What? Oh, I was going through <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's not Grammys, I'll tell you that. It's whatever invented Christian Music Award. Mm-hmm. Would, would you say it was the... Uh, the, the the American Music Award the that he Dove? got. No, the he got he was Dove nominated Award. for Dove Awards, which is Dove like a gospel yeah, yeah, yeah. award. I had never heard of that Listen, before. No, 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 let's not get this mixed up. I'm not saying gospel music is terrible. Mm-hmm. I love. I still in my like songs Spotify playlist there there is choir like the Mississippi Mass Choir. I have Jesus music plays all the time. There's an acapella group called Acapella. That I I love those guys. I still listen to their music. It's it's like the only music that's actually on my iPhone. There's an acapella group called acapella. Called acapella, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> but, but but so I'm not shitting on gospel music because gospel music is is rich and it's it's beautiful and there's a tradition and it's it's art. It's this is just ugh, it's just the worst. It's the worst. Am I conveying? 
that it's the worst, Brittany. You are definitely conveying that. Uh, just It's the lowest common fucking denominator. So Modest is Hottest, out now. You can get it wherever you get some music. Yeah, You're welcome, Matthew West. <laughs> this episode of I Doubted Podcast is brought to you by Matthew West and Modest is Hottest. Uh, so speaking... Hot track. Hot new track. <laughs> speaking of... Christian fundamentalists, uh, Jack Phillips is back in the news. You remember Jack Phillips? Yeah, he's the the cake dip dip shit. He's the Colorado baker who won a partial victory at the Supreme Court in 2018 after refusing to make a wedding cake for a same-sex couple. No, he's the cake dip shit. I think my way was just as good. Okay. Just as informative. So he's back in the news because he has now refused to make a birthday cake for a transgender woman. And what happened here is that Autumn Scardina requested a birthday cake that was blue on the outside and pink on the inside. And Jack Phillips agreed to make this cake. Like, everything was fine. There was an agreement in place. The cake was ready to go. And only after she said the colors symbolized her transition, Mm. even though the bakery already agreed, it was a no-go. Right. Because, well... It symbolized something. Right, and and Jack... That goes against his uh, deeply held uh, religious beliefs. Exactly. Jack Phillips, again, arguing that his Christian beliefs have prevented him from creating custom cakes that would, quote, violate his religious convictions. It's amazing how much energy people put into being fucking bigots, you know? So, he was fined for this because it's a violation of the Colorado Anti-Discrimination Act. Yeah, they really nailed him with a fine, too. I mean, how's he going to go on? His business might have to go insolvent to pay the massive fine that the state of Colorado has levied against him. $500 fine. $500 fine. Which is the maximum fine for a violation of the act. You know, this was put on the page... By our social media guy, Ben. Shout out to Ben running the pages. We really appreciate that. And some comments were weird, to say the least, of people saying, well, this is a private business. And if he doesn't want to do business with whoever, then he doesn't need to. Um, And then someone said, yeah, the social media attention this is getting will really hurt his bottom line. Uh, Do you know who Jack Phillips is? Did you? Whose case was heard? And he prevailed before the United States Supreme Court. Yeah, he's now a figure in religious communities. It's like when people on my YouTube video say, don't give Trump attention. You're just amplifying <laughs> him. Like my little YouTube channel is, a, if it weren't for me, Donald yeah. Trump would just go away. Yeah. And listen, I kind of went into a dickish mode there. Apologize a little bit for it. Just like a like a 25% apology. <laughs> on what? For sounding dickish toward people I guess not knowing who who Jack Phillips is. It just seems like if you're going to make the argument that you're making about private businesses and how social media is going to damage his bottom line, you should at least understand that like that's not at all applicable in this case well, and is not going to hurt his bottom line. I'll take it further and I will not apologize. You're a fucking idiot if you say it's his private business. Because what's the difference between that and saying, go find another lunch counter to eat at, black folks? Why do you got to go to this one? Fuck them. Go to another one. Mm-hmm. It is basic equality. It is, it is public accommodation. These are concepts that are, that are canonized by not only our, 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 our constitution, but also... Just our the ethos of our nation of equality for all, mm-hmm. that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, endowed by our creator, I guess. I'm c- come on, people. And I don't think, here's the other thing, that's that, and this is more show-specific, page-specific stuff. I think we a lot of a lot of people who don't listen to the show who just follow the Facebook page. Yeah, well, that's what I tell Ben because he gets very confused. He's like, "What, what is going on with some of these comments?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, you have to remember there's trolls, there's people that hate listen, hate watch, there's people who like have no other time to do anything else." And- there's also people in the in the private Dollamore listener group who like defend police who are like Blue Lives Matter dingo, you know, dinguses. 
Dinga. I guess <laughs> you were is. about to say dingo. Um, in this in this article, Jack Phillips's lawyer is quoted as saying, "Quote: This decision represents a disturbing trend that we're seeing, where activists are able to weaponize the justice system to fully ruin those with whom they disagree." <laughs> you mean the the five hundred dollar fine? I know. What's can he we do? can we relax? Also, he's still in business. He went to the Supreme Court in twenty eighteen. Right. It's now 2021. He still has a business. He's still making money. He's still feeling secure enough in his business to reject business. Right, right, right. So, I I mean, this doesn't seem like someone who has been fully ruined. He's still in a position to say, your money's not good here. Don't want it. How many many cakes with like a, a tortured and murdered Jesus on them do you think he makes? Like the, the crucifix cake. I don't know. Or the symbol of, of torture and murder, the cross. Well, that's in line with his religious convictions. So right. I think it's okay for him to make that. He, he has every right to do that. That's what he loves to make. In there fact, are, I think that's his classic go-to. There are no $500 fines being <laughs> for torture porn cakes. Mm. You know? Yeah. All right. Anyway. <laughs> Views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. Just in case. We got, we got, Just in case. We got several comments because we posted um, a, a tweet where someone said that they can predict when the, the disclaimer is going to be played. And several people said, yep. We can predict when it's going to be played. Well, only reason I played is because I don't know if you you want your name on the the crucifix or the cross being torture porn, but that's what it is. Well, you, I think, understand when the disclaimer should be played. Do you think it was a good time? I think you know when <laughs> it's a good time for the disclaimer to be so played. So anyway, Jack, Jack Phillips, thank you for, for holding down the, the righteous Christian conviction of not making cakes that are pink on the inside and blue on the outside. You're really, you're really, you're doing yeoman's work, sir. I'm sure Jesus is proud that you're uh, that you're discriminating and and just being a filthy fucking bigot in His name. Anyway, we would love to know what you think about these and any other topics. Six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at Dollamore I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. Want to give a shout out to our two latest Patreon supporters, Emerson B. Emerson B. And Brian F. Brian F. Thank you so very much for your beautiful Patreon contributions. And thank you to each and every one of our Patreon supporters and each and every one of our listeners more broadly. Even if you are not a Patreon supporter, we appreciate your support and your uh, time and attention that you give to the show. Please remember that our Patreon hangout on Zoom is going to be Saturday, June 26th. So this is next Saturday at 11 a.m. Los Angeles time. We would love to see your faces and chat with you about how things are going. And it will be a good time. So please join us June 26th. Absolutely. Further, I'd like to add this. Uh, if, If there are ever moments in the show that you think are like a minute or two or even three minutes that you think are clip worthy that could be easily shared. Share those timestamps with us Mm -hmm. because we are now in the process of figuring out a method by which we can isolate those Mm -hmm. and either put them on YouTube or, or shareable on social media. So that would be a help. I mean, that's a, that's a way to help spread awareness of the show Mm -hmm. because you know, of all the things that need help spreading awareness of this show is really chief among them. Exactly. Anyway, Very important. Good, good times. We love you guys. Thank you very much. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. 
Ralph Norman. Mm-hmm. Juneteenth maybe should have been how I lead in to that particular topic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Juneteenth is now um, an official federal holiday that we will be celebrating year over year mm-hmm. in a move by Joe Biden and the Democrats in Congress who finally, finally, even though there's been many times throughout the history of the country, even in modern days, that there has been a Democrat uh, in control of the White House and Democrats control Congress. They finally got it done. That's a great thing. I think um, awareness of racial issues and sensitivities to to racial history um, is at a height right now because of last summer. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good thing. Well, and it is because it's honoring the work of um, many black activists, black Americans, including 94-year-old civil rights activist Opal Lee. Mm-hmm. And she has long uh, pushed for this to become a federal holiday. And so there has been a lot of praise for Opal Lee in, in recent days. And if you don't know what Juneteenth is, it, uh, the Emancipation Proclamation was passed um, in 1862. Or it was uh, issued in 1862, I believe. It was passed in 1863. My dates might be a little off. And then like three years later, um, after a passage, Gordon Granger, a general in the Union Army, made his way to Texas to actually inform uh, enslaved people, uh, enslaved Americans born on soil, that, hey, you um, are free. The Emancipation Proclamation was passed. And so June 19th, 1865. 1865. Yeah, so it is it is uh, like the official freedom date, emancipation date of mm-hmm. enslaved Americans. And who who would be opposed to making that a holiday? Well, th- the answer is Tucker Carlson, Charlie Kirk, uh, Candace Owens, other idiots in Congress who think that this is, as Tucker Carlson called it, supplanting... Independence Day. It's a replacement of the 4th of July, which it, it is not. <laughs> it is two separate holidays. One is independence from the United Kingdom, and one is independence of black Americans as property. It's also, what a thing to complain about. <laughs> An extra holiday? An extra holiday, but also this is going to tarnish the Independence Day in July. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? No, it's, it's, it, it, this is, what this is, is a Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, all holidays matter. Yeah, what? What the fuck are you talking about? Well, and that's what this guy that you're referencing um, was complaining about the fact that an additional holiday was added. There's been the same Republican talking points of this is going to cost taxpayers millions of dollars, adding another holiday. Mm. And then what's his name? Ralph. Ralph Norman from uh, South Carolina. Also a guy who didn't who voted against honoring the Capitol Police who showed up at the insurrection. Yeah, he just he seems to be anti-holiday, period. Yeah. Well, also, he also is the guy who during the Kavanaugh hearing said, "Hey, this just in everybody. Uh uh Ruth Bader Ginsburg just came out and said she was groped by Abraham Lincoln." Hilarious. Uh-huh. Hilarious. <laughs> so anyway, here he is sounding off about his very clear reasons for not voting or for voting against making Juneteenth a holiday. You know, there's one 4th of July. Mm-hmm. There's one birthday, this, uh, you know, Independence Day is 4th of July. And, you know, as I, and, and I had a lot of negativity on it, but this was a easy no vote mm-hmm. because, you know, the fact that, uh, the fact that they would try to make race a part of it hadn't got anything to do with race. How many holidays do we want? What's the magic number? This would put it to 11. Do we want 20? Are we going to do one for the Native American Indians? I mean, where does it stop? And uh, this was such an easy no vote. This has nothing to do with race. This holiday has nothing. Is that what he's saying? This holiday has nothing to do with race? I think him being, he's making the claim that him being against it has oh, nothing to do with race. Right. I'm sure that's the case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's only one 4th of July. That's why this isn't 4th of July redo. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a second. It's not a second go at a Fourth of July. Yeah, where are they getting that? Mm-hmm. I mean, out of their assholes. That's where they're getting it. Well, and there's been like there, rather good ideas. There's been a lot of discussion about whether this is 
just performative, whether this is just a symbol, an action that's being taken in the midst of not taking action on things that could represent actual progress. Like reparations. For equality, exactly. Sure. And I've seen I've seen those comments, a lot of them from black activists. Sure. And then I've seen a lot of comments from like white liberals that are like, progress is progress. Any yeah. any step forward is a step forward. Yeah, I don't know that this is progress other uh, other than recognizing. Mm-hmm. But I don't think this this does anything to enhance or better the lives of 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 black Americans. It's it's more just hey, we're recognizing um, something that is obviously should have been recognized for for 150 years or so. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, it's it's going to be great for increasing the knowledge, I think, of Juneteenth. And I think there's many people that haven't been aware of Juneteenth. For sure. Um, except for in recent years. And so it's going to be good from an educational perspective that people will hopefully be like, huh, what is this new holiday? Yeah, remember in, in last year when Donald Trump held a rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma, on Juneteenth, and then subsequently said, if it wasn't for me, no one would even know what Juneteenth is. You know, yeah. consummate professor of history, Donald Trump. Yeah, and, well, people still don't know what, like, Memorial Day is versus Veterans Day. Uh, so don't get me started. hopefully this will be an opportunity. Thanks for your service on this Memorial Day, Jesse. That's oh, not what it's about. One of your pet peeves. But you know, it, listen, it seems to be that this is this is the the latest move for the Republican Party is just to double down on being the party of opposition to to racial um harmony and and progress for for black and brown Americans. Mm-hmm. Because critical race theory has made its way onto the stage. And uh every idiot, you know who I just followed on Twitter, who I like a lot is Mark Lamont Hill. Mm, yeah. And he's got like a show or on some, I, I guess it's an online platform. I don't know. Maybe it's on TV. I don't know. But there are like every, these clips get fed to me in, on my Twitter feed constantly of him just saying, what is critical race theory to people, to opponents of it? Mm-hmm. And it's clip after clip. He even had James Lindsay and Peter Bogosian, you know, the, the five, four MMA star slash professor. Interesting. He and, had them on yeah, the show. He had, he had them on and they, oh. they pushed back and wanted to have him explain it. And he fucking schooled them. Mm-hmm. I don't have a clip cause we didn't, you know, we, we ended up here. So he's the host of BET news, black news tonight. Yeah. There's, I, 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 that didn't seem to be the program that I'm thinking of, but maybe that's it. Maybe All that's right, it. Well, I tried it, my best. Yeah. I didn't see BET <laughs> on the, on the Chiron. So. That was his bio on Twitter that I was reading. Yeah, maybe maybe it's that, but uh, it, it's amazing because he schools them, and even James Lindsay at the end of it, seeming defeated, said, "Oh, you actually know a lot about this." Oh wow, <laughs> it's really good. Okay, but so conservatives are acting like they know a ton about critical race theory. They're acting like they're so opposed to it because it's it's so entrenched in their minds, and they have a, a deep, fulsome understanding of the concept when they just don't. Well, and that's because twenty-one states have introduced or passed legislation in recent weeks to ban. The teaching of critical race mm-hmm. theory, including Idaho. And we talked about that right, right, right. a few shows back. So Ted Cruz is the latest on stage being about as Ted Cruzy as he can get. Now, what is critical race theory? You know, I had a just this week on Capitol Hill. Listen, I loved the bo- <laughs> booze. It was starting his with booze. fucking voice is a it's like a grown up Ben Shapiro. <laughs> ah, listen, critical race theory. Ah. Why do all these logic bros uh-huh. who trip over their dick trying to fucking get logical, why do they all sound like this? They speak in that same cadence and it's just, just go eat a booger, Ted Cruz. Oh my God. Fucking maniac. Don't bring that back. Now, what is critical race theory? You know, I had a, just this week on Capitol Hill, I had a reporter run up to me. He thought, he thought he had a gotcha. He said, hey, what's critical race theory? Apparently, he thought I would turn to him and say, gosh, I have no idea. I think it's really bad, but I just don't know what it is, you know, because, you know, conservatives are morons and we don't know what we're talking about. Yep. Like, he really did think this was such a boy. He really got you there. And I explained to him, I said, well, it's a theory that derives from Marxism. Karl Marx viewed the entire world as a conflict between classes, between the owners of capital and the working men and women, the proletariat, a fundamental battle in society. Critical race theory takes that same Marxist concept, except it replaces class with race. 
And it says all of America and all of the world is a battle between the races. Critical race theory says every white person is a racist. Critical race. And then he goes on to not at all know what critical race theory actually is. As demonstrated by everything he just said. And he's he's like that um that 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 scene in Goodwill Hunting when Oh, in the bar? Yeah. The <laughs> the guy who's like just quoting from the book like because Ted right, Cruz right, right. said proletariat. The audience right, is going right. to be like, "Oh, something was said." <laughs> Ooh, some big stuff is being referenced here. Ted Cruz, giant brain Ted Cruz. Should we let him continue? Yes. Do I have to listen to his fucking voice? We should finish the clip. Race theory says America is fundamentally racist and irredeemably racist. Critical race theory seeks to turn us against each other. And if someone has a different color skin, seeks to make us hate that person. And let me tell you right now, critical race theory is bigoted, it is a lie, and it is every bit as racist as the Klansmen in white sheets. Wow. And Ted Cruz's white audience laps it up. Bold, bold, Loves bold, it. bold. Woo! We're going to whistle at that. That it's every bit as racist as Klansmen in white sheets. <laughs> Klansmen, might I remind you, overwhelmingly voted for Donald Trump. Not overwhelmingly, exclusively voted for Donald Trump. Remember, in 2015, 2016, when Donald Trump refused to z- disavow the support and the endorsement of the KKK. Might I remind you, Ted Cruz, you insufferable jackass. As a Christian and as an American, I love my brothers and sister, whatever skin color you are, whatever ethnicity you are, whatever faith you are, whatever creed you are, we are commanded to love, period, the end. He sounds loving. And those who would divide us, those who would spread lies, it is evil. And those who would divide us and (laughs) those... Oh, I'm talking very heartfelt right now. So you know that I'm serious yeah. and that you should believe what I say when I stand in this church or all what I can only believe is a church. Ugh. Okay, so... I am an abomination! I am Ted Cruz! I'm sorry, go ahead. Yep, so the term... <laughs> So the term critical race theory stems from um, 1989, uh, a group of legal scholars getting together at a conference, addressing challenges of the civil rights movement and uh, conservative courts. And they wrote about the legal system and the ways in which it historically created racial hierarchies um, and even race itself. They showed that even legal structures that seemed neutral, policies that seemed neutral could perpetuate racial racial injustice. So that was kind of where this term began. And then it's moved from law, the legal realm, mm-hmm. into other academic disciplines, uh, referring to racial hierarchies, system- systemic racism, systemic injustice. And this has become a talking point in the last, I mean, year it has really blown up for Republicans. Yeah, remember last last year when Donald Trump made it illegal to teach anything related to critical race theory in government trainings because he couldn't mandate that for the rest of the country, but only for uh, trainings involving the federal government and the executive branch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all this is is really backlash against movements fighting racial injustice, like the Black Lives Matter movement, the protests in um, the George Floyd killing. And they are afraid because they see the tide is turning. They see the diverse group of people that take to the streets in the aftermath of the murder of unarmed black men. So... They are afraid. This is really about fear and trying sure. to impose their power and trying to ensure that they retain that power in any way that they can, At including last, by banning teaching things that are sure. common sense and necessary to be taught. Metaphorical uh, book burning. Yeah. These are dangerous things. We cannot allow them to be to be trained. Uh, uh, sensitivity training for a long time was it. Sexual harassment training was was lampooned by the right. 
anything that it has to deal with treating others better and people in power not being able to abuse that power. Mm-hmm. They're they're opposed to. Well, and in order to rile up the audience, he has to tell them that critical race theory is something that it's actually not. It's straw man one hundred and one, right? Here. Because if you tell people that it's important to teach about the history of race and racism and systemic injustice, there will be a lot of people who support that and think that that's important. But if you start saying what Ted Cruz just said, which is that uh, critical race theory teaches that you know white people are the blue-eyed devil and... America is irredeemable. Yeah, then obviously people are going to be upset by that. And well, <laughs> just on its face, people who are proponents of critical race theory, they don't believe that America is irredeemable. And I say that and I know that because they wouldn't be trying to better America. They wouldn't be trying to alter the course of America if it were irredeemable. It would be irredeemable if that were the case, and there's nothing you can do. You walk away from it. Mm-hmm. They're not doing that. Mm-hmm. They're trying to better the system we have, trying to make it more fair, trying to make it more equal, trying to make it more equitable. And that's a beautiful point because they're what? Tr- they're trying to make it about indoctrination, that critical race theory is in schools and they're trying to indoctrinate kids and it's like, wait, no, it's actually trying to inform the population and give people the tools so that they have the knowledge and the tools to be able to try to dismantle some of this stuff, yeah, to go sure. out into the world and try to make it more equal. And so that's what you're against. That's what you don't want. Exactly and you're right. not going to obscure the argument. I mean, for a certain number of people you're going to obscure the argument and make it about blue eyed devils or whatever everybody in that room for sure yeah and my family <laughs> and you know everyone else and so <laughs> you're that's a, that's a laugh, tragic laugh not a, i think it's funny that your family are well Nazis. no it is well it's funny and tragic and everything's good and everything's great <laughs> so <laughs> um but ted cruz sure we we know where he's headed and uh Maybe he'll be back on a debate stage with something flying on his lip and then licking it in there and forever creating years of me not being able to think about that image without gagging. What was that? I don't want to. What boogers are we white? We don't need to. We Ooh. don't. Ooh. Yeah, it's fine. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, we'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. The email is idoubtit.dollamore.com. Let's talk about Joe Biden. Hmm. <laughs> Made some news this week. Yeah, listen, we're we are not a show that shies away from criticizing Joe Biden. I was trying to think of a moniker for him, but you know, he's president to Joe Biden. Joe Malarkey Biden. No Malarkey Biden. Oh, no Malarkey. Yeah. He's, no, he's against the Malarkey. Yeah. <laughs> Very opposed to the Malarkey. Mm. He was at a summit this week with uh, Vladimir Putin and Caitlin Collins. I'm trying to be metered about how I talk about this because I'm I'm kind of um, scared, scared. I'm angry. I'm pissed off at Joe Biden. Oh, OK. Because as much as Democrats want to act like he's the antithesis to Donald Trump, in many, many ways, he is not. In many, many ways, he is part and parcel. It's like this old guy has to flex his chest and and beat it. I'm you don't push back against me, especially with the media. Caitlin Collins from CNN asked him a question, a reasonable question about the summits, the results of the summits, what's to come of the summit with Vladimir Putin. And he fucking freaks out. And then subsequently apologized, which we're going to play too. His quote-unquote apology, where he makes a bunch of excuses. It's like, I apologize, but... But anyway, let's before we get ahead of ourselves, before I get us ahead of ourselves, here's this moment with Caitlin Collins. Why are you so confident he'll change his behavior, Mr. President? Yeah, I'm not confident. What the hell? What do you do all the time? So when did I say I was confident? I said, I said, what I said, look, let's get it straight. I said, what will change their behavior is that the rest of the world reacts to them and it diminishes their standing in the world. I'm not confident of anything. I'm just stating the fact. But given his past behavior has not changed, and in that press conference, after sitting down with you for several hours, he 
denied any involvement in cyber attacks. He downplayed human rights abuses. He even refused to say Alexei Navalny's name. So how does that account to a constructive meeting as President, President Putin? Friday? You don't understand that. You're in the wrong business. That right there is an infuriating response from the President of the United States to a reporter, a constitutionally protected position in this country. That if you're asking that question, you're in the wrong business. That is no different than Donald Trump countless times telling reporters, you're terrible at your job. You're a terrible reporter. That that question is so stupid, it's clear that you're in the wrong line of work. This is Joe Biden being disrespectful to the press, and I will continue to say it, as I said it during the Trump administration, by extension, the American people. Because the press is the conduit by which we get our information. And that question was not inappropriate. It was not aggressive. It's a legitimate question. That we don't want to look at things with rose-colored glasses, especially related to international relations. And if you are too beleaguered by the stress of the job, Joe Biden, to answer a simple question without freaking out, maybe you're in the wrong line of work. So I think there's a lot of people that are going to be listening to this thinking, wow, Jesse is making a direct comparison between Biden and Donald Trump. And um, they would be right. Yeah. And then I think there's a lot of people who are going to listen to this and possibly see the similarities and then make excuses for it because it's Joe Biden and it's not Donald Trump. And I think it's important that we deal with reality on reality's terms and see that if Donald Trump had behaved this way toward Caitlin Collins in response to this question, it would have gobbled up the news cycle. Everyone would have talked about it. Yes. There would have, there would have been a lot of people who were unhappy because it, it fit, it fit with how Donald Trump typically responded to the media. Right. And that might be part of where people defend Biden is, well, this isn't how he typically responds. This isn't what he typically does. Okay. And that's fine. But this is something that should not happen. And he lashed out at Caitlin Collins for a fair question, which is inappropriate. And like you said, he apologized for it. That's that's a positive thing because Donald Trump never apologized for anything. Now, at the same time, like you said, his apology, not great, not without excuses, not without, in fact, complaining that he wants, I believe he uses the phrase positive questions, right. which is a direct quote from Donald Trump. That is exactly what Donald Trump did constantly. Why don't you people ask your only negative question? Did you hear my snort? I did, actually. I snorted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're only asking the negative. I mean, it's exact. This is a Donald Trump playbook being played out by the antithesis of Donald Trump. And here's why it's important to talk about that is because this this shouldn't be acceptable on, no. on either side. No. And we should not want this from our leaders. Especially if he's your president who you voted for. Right. You should hold this person to a higher standard. Right. I, listen, I don't think Joe Biden's doing a bad job. I, I think on the whole, it's decent. There are many ways I believe he is deficient and not getting it done. Many. But on the whole, you know what? Not bad. Mm -hmm. Not bad at all. Mm -hmm. So this isn't like, oh, fuck you, Joe Biden. I'm not nitpicking here. This is a big deal. Anyway, here's his apology. I owe my last question an apology. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have been such a wise guy with the last answer I gave. Wise guy. That's old man speak for I was a dirty prick. Anyway, here we go. Be a good reporter, you got to be negative. You got to have a negative view of life. Okay, it seems to me the way you all, you never ask a positive question. Why, in fact, having agreement, we'll find out. We have an agreement to work on a major arms control agreement. I started working on arms control agreements back all the way during the Cold War. If we could do one in the Cold War, why couldn't we do one now? We'll see. The thing that always amazed me about the questions, and I apologize for having been short on this before. If you were in my position, would you say, well, I don't think, man, anything's going to happen. It's going to be really rough. I think it's going to really be bad. You guarantee nothing happens. You guarantee nothing happens. And so, 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 there's a, there's a so far... There, there, there's a value to being realistic and 
put on an optimistic front, an optimistic face. So th- th- listen, there was there was a there was a moment during the the coronavirus briefings that were daily with Donald Trump where he was press he was pressing and promoting um, bullshit cures and treatments, hydroxychloroquine for one. And they were asking, what about the, the no, no medical experts are claiming that there is efficacy with this treatment, that in fact it can be dangerous. He's like, I don't know. We'll see. We'll find out. But I have a hunch. Why do you have to be so negative? Uh, what do we have to lose was his argument. That's exactly what he said. You know the phrase, what the hell do you have to lose? Joe Biden's doing the exact same thing here. Mm-hmm. Why do you have to ask such a negative question? Why isn't it a positive question? We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll find out. It's the same thing. But Democrats give give Joe a pass and want to skewer Donald Trump for the exact same behavior. And that, my friends, is hypocrisy. And we should all, above anything else maybe... Try to to exterminate that that trait from ourselves to mm-hmm. not be a fucking hypocrite. And it's tough because that is a human impulse. Well, because we we get separated into teams. Yeah, and we want to defend our tribe, and that's understandable. But that's what we hope to do on the show: is to be checking ourselves, encouraging other people to check themselves. And I mean, this even comes down to the, the Jack Phillips comments on the Facebook page and the the comments about Juneteenth on the Facebook page. I mean, we're, we're hoping that we can continue with a community that engages in difficult conversations and is able to check themselves and their own biases when they come up. And so this is a part of that conversation too. If Joe Biden is doing something that is similar to Donald Trump, we would hope that everyone who supports Joe Biden would be able to recognize that and say, Hey, you need to do better. I laugh because I'm realizing now that maybe the best way to, to accomplish that goal is not to be uh, an asshole to the audience, which seems to be my, you know, two giant cups of coffee way to do it today. Well, there's been a lot of yelling, and... When is there not yelling? (laughs) That's not a barometer of how much of an asshole I'm being. That's true. That's just how loud of an asshole I'm being. That's actually a great point. (laughs) Correct. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we would love your feedback on this issue. Always. I'm I'm not saying that as some kind of performative... The moment in the show where we go, I really want to hear from people about this. Always. Especially if you disagree. Yep. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. It's the asshole of today. Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang. You know, Andrew Yang was someone that we used to not mind too much. And he has, as as he's been running for mayor of New York City, we have kind of seen his true colors, I think. Yeah, or a different set of colors. Maybe the other way was his true colors, and now he's just pandering to some, some new audience. Mm-hmm. But he... He said some horrible things during the day. He's running for the mayor of New York City, if you don't know. And he's not leading in the polls, I believe, because there's a plurality. But uh, he is certainly in the top two or three of the candidates. Mm -hmm. And he said some things that, one, very much triggered uh, Brittany Page relative to her occupation. Mm -hmm. um, Triggered in you um, displeasure. Because he's maligning the mentally ill and pitting people who don't suffer from mental illness against those who do in in respect to what our rights are. Listen to this remarkable and shitty moment from a debate last week. Yes, mentally ill people have rights, but you know who else have rights? We do. The people and families of the city. We have the right to walk the street and not fear for our safety because a mentally ill person is going to lash out at us. So... <laughs> I I just love the you know who else has rights? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, Andrew I mean, Yang. Imagine, I mean, c- it, it, replace mentally ill with like black people. Yeah, black people have rights, but you know who else has rights? White people. 
I don't want to be idle, isolating that one. God damn. Well, and I, I'm reading. I so I typed in Andrew Yang um, into the the search just to kind of see what the latest news articles were that came up because this is how things work behind the scenes while the clip is playing. And that clip was only 15 seconds long, so I had a lot of time. And um, (laughs) (laughs) this Yahoo opinion article, Andrew Yang is correct about the mentally ill. And they say, and I haven't fact-checked this. Uh, but It's it's an opinion piece. Right, and I haven't fact-checked the sentence, but let's just go with it to discuss. An amazing 28% of mentally ill people without homes are convicted of a felony sometime in their lifetime compared to just 6% of the general population. So is that that they're targeted because they're mentally ill or I mean, there's so many variables. Not only is it targeted, but also what is the felony? Right. Is it theft? Right. Survival. I mean, so what is like the context surrounding that? You give zero, you just, you're using a tactic to create fear within people. Oh, they have higher rates of being felons. It's terrifying. What about drug charges? Are all of those drug charges? Could be drug charges. Please, grow up. One, it's when you pit one group's rights against another, it is just, it is, it's gross. It's gross. So, but this is also creating fear within the the population, right? People are afraid to walk down the street. I, I just, it's so frustrating to me. And this is why I wish people could spend time in mental hospitals and see, yeah. actually see what it's like for severely mentally ill people. And at the mental hospital that I worked at, a large population coming through there was homeless and actually returned to being homeless when they were discharged from the hospital, unfortunately. Uh, The hospital would say discharge and they would go to the street. And sometimes I would see them on the corner at the gas station when I was getting gas after work. Like, that's where they would go. Well, we've also had Dr. Alan Francis on the show multiple times Mm -hmm. who um, aided in writing the DSM, Mm -hmm. DSM DSM-4. And he very pointedly has said multiple times on the show that people who suffer from mental illness are far more likely to be the victims of crime than the perpetrators of crime. Exactly. And th- so this is just fear mongering. It is. From Andrew Yang at the expense of a marginalized population in America because we still don't look at mental illness the way we should. We look at it as some dirty little secret that, oh, we can't talk about depression or schizophrenia or anxiety or any number of mental illnesses. Well, and fear really takes the place of compassion because if you're walking down the street and you've been programmed to say, oh, what am I going to do with this unpredictable situation? Yeah. I mean, and I'm I'm kind of desensitized to it. I will admit that. Like, we were just walking around Hollywood Boulevard, and there was a situation that was taking place, and unbeknownst to me, I was just like... You walked right in the middle of it between the person yeah. and the cops. <laughs> I was just, like, hanging out in the middle of the situation. There were, like, six cops. You walked just... I was trying to read the rules on the Walgreens. I turned around to tell <laughs> you what the rules were, and you were gone. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm in the middle of something happening. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely desensitized. Um, but I, it just frustrates me, the fear aspect of this, because like you said, um, people on the street with severe mental illness are far more likely to be victims of crime than to perpetuate crime, particularly violent crime. And it prevents people from seeing these groups of people as actual human beings that need our assistance. If you create an image of them as other, more violent, more aggressive, um, people are not going to want to help. And it's disappointing to see Andrew Yang, who is someone who put universal basic income on the map in recent years. Sure. Yeah. um, Speaking about the population in this way. Yeah, they have rights, but you know who else has rights? I mean, that's that's the quote. That's not embellishment. But you know who else has rights? Us normal folks. And that's I mean, the thing. Goddamn. There's a better way to talk about what you're trying to talk about, Andrew Yang. And so that's the question. I was hoping you were going to end it with Andrew Yang because you motioned directly to me. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> and that's what makes me question like what his motivation is, who he's trying to get the attention of when he speaks like this. And it's it's not creating compassion. It's not speaking to people who would want to help. Well, it's he I think and I'm speculating here, but it seems to me he's he sees how the right 
engenders fear in the electorate, and mm-hmm. it's a it's a winner for them. Mm-hmm. So why not engender fear in New Yorkers about the scourge and the dangers that exist on the street at the hands of the hordes of mentally ill people? Oh, he's going to do something about it because I'm scared. Mm-hmm. I'm scared in the subway. I'm scared on the street. When there are a handful in a city of 8 million people, a handful of occasions where something happens, mm-hmm. statistically not significant, mm-hmm. but they get publicity, they get press, and therefore it, it, it looms large in the minds of New Yorkers. Mm-hmm. Come on, Andrew Yang. You're fucking better than that. Or you better be. You should be. Ugh. Anyway, as always, love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. I doubt it at dollamore.com. Did you have something else, Brittany? I didn't want to just rush off. We have a taking care of biz, I believe. Taking care of biz. Rachel Scott. Rachel Scott. I was waiting for you to say it again. Rachel Scott asked a question of Putin. Rachel Scott is an ABC News correspondent or a reporter. Yes. Thank you. And she asked. She's not just some random who asked Putin a question. No, she got into the summit. She barged in. Yeah. Wait, wait. I got a question for for (laughs) Vlad. Um, Throwing crop. Ah, ah, Yeah. Yeah. And she asked a question of Vladimir Putin at the summit in Geneva. And I cannot tell you (laughs) how amazing this moment is to watch because Vladimir Putin is not someone who is challenged often. Yeah, certainly not on a a domestic stage. No. And if you do challenge him or do something that he doesn't like in any way, you're likely to end up dead. Or poisoned. And then sent off to Germany or rescued by Germany to to undergo emergency medical treatment. Yes. So here is Rachel Scott asking Vladimir Putin a very important question. Mr. President, thank you so much for taking my question. Uh, President Biden has said that he would respond if cyber attacks from Russia do not stop. I'm curious, what did he tell you? Did he make any threats? And a quick follow-up, if I may, sir. Uh, the list of your political opponents who are dead, prisoned, or jailed is long. Alexei Navalny's organization calls for free and fair elections, an end to corruption. But Russia has outlawed that organization, calling it extremists. And you have now prevented anyone who supports him to run for office. So my question is, Mr. President, what are you so afraid of? Ouch! Well, let me just reiterate what I've just said on the so-called, quote-unquote, foreign agents and people, people who portray themselves as the non-systemic opposition. I think I've responded to your CNN colleagues. But I think these are the rules of the game, so I have to repeat it when I repeat it to your question. Okay, fine by me, I can do it. The United States has a law that spells out that the United States will support specific entities and organizations in Russia. At the same time, the Russian Federation was labeled as an adversary. They went on the record and said publicly that they will stymie the development of Russia. It begs the question, what kind of organizations the United States and the West will be supporting and pay them if uh, we are an adversary? It's quite clear that, um, like the United States back in the 30s, we've labeled them as foreign agents, but we haven't banned them. I mean, they can operate, all right. If you're labeled as a foreign agent, that does not preclude you from from operating in the country. Well, if it's an extremist organization, that's a whole new story, whole different story. Uh, the organization is in question publicly has called for uh, riots and public disorder. It has openly instructed instructed people on how to how to make Molotov cocktails, so just to use them against the law enforcement. It called for the uh, participation of of underage person in in riots. 
America has just recently went through a well, grievous uh, chain of events after a certain African-American individual was uh, killed and an entire movement the Black Lives Matter movement appeared. I'm not, I'm not going to go into details, I will spare you them. But we've seen pogroms, we've seen, you know, looting and violations and riots. We sympathize with the Americans, but we do not want for the same thing to happen on the Russian soil and we'll do anything possible to prevent this. And it's not about me fearing anything. If you want to think that, can, can you please give the mic? You didn't answer my question, sir. If all of your political opponents are dead, in prison, poison, doesn't that send a message that you do not want a fair political fight? <clears throat> all right, about my opponents being jailed or imprisoned. People went into U.S. Congress with political demands. 400 people are now facing criminal charges. <laughs> they are facing prison terms of up to 20, maybe 25 years. They are called homegrown terrorists. They are being accused of many other things. 70 people were arrested right there on the spot. <clears throat> 30 of them are still arrested. On what grounds? Not quite clear. I mean, none of the official authorities from the states are informing the, us about it. So we don't know that. Uh, one of the participants, a woman, was shot dead on the spot. She, she was not threatening with, uh, you know, with arms or anything. Why am I bringing this up? Many people are facing the same things as we do. And I am stressing this. We are sympathizing with the United States, but we do not want the same thing repeating here. Now, a couple of questions, please. Listen to that Republican propaganda. Hmm. Slash Russian, obviously, propaganda. Right. On what grounds are these insurrectionists arrested? Mm -hmm. And then he goes, he talks about Ashley Babbitt, who was killed by police in the violent attack of the United States Capitol. And he, 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 he postures uh, as they had political demands. <laughs> right. <laughs> they were uh, in opposition to the Constitution of the United States and the processes laid out in said constitution for electing a, a new president. I mean, that could be Tucker Carlson right there. For sure. Also, Vlad, does he have the COVID? A lot of coughing from him. Well, <coughs> I love how Rachel Scott got in there and said, excuse me, you're not answering my question, made a second attempt, and then... He pivots to the insurrection. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was... It was ridiculous that he, I mean, it's to be expected. He can't address it. He also said, well, related to my opponents being jailed, <laughs> she was asking about something beyond jail, but sure, right. uh, that's, that's your nature to brush over the topic and uh, not face reality. Definitely a taking care of biz moment. Mm -hmm. Rachel Scott. Rachel Scott. Facing off directly with Vladimir Putin. What he didn't do, though, is, one, admit to his massive plastic surgery. I mean, his, his head's like a fucking cue ball. There's not a wrinkle on it for a 70-year-old man. Is he 70? He's at least 70. Hey, Siri, how old is Vladimir Putin? 68. Vladimir Putin is 68 years old. All right, he's 68. I, it, it price is right, I would have I lost. He'll be 69 in October. Yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing. It, listen, it, it is. It, it was a remarkable moment, and I'm more, you know, uh, focused on the answers that he gave because it does really align with what people like Ralph Norman, who right. we played earlier, yep, uh, and Tucker Carlson and Ted Cruz and um, these other idiots who acted like it was just like a normal tourist event at the Capitol. Right. He's political he's, demands. They're, they're talking the same thing. It's mm -hmm. misrepresenting what took place. Absolutely. And comparing that to the situation in Russia where he's just outlawing uh, political parties. Right. 
I mean, if that, it was that easy, we wouldn't have a Republican problem. We would just fucking outlaw them. Yeah. We would just throw Ted Cruz into a fucking prison or poison him. I mean, not like he's already trying to poison himself with boogers every day. But that's what we would do. Yeah, I feel like it's enough. Because he the... eats the boogers is what I'm trying to say. Brittany. All right. So the show has been great and we are going to do the <laughs> sign off and I'll pass that to you to proceed with that. We would love to ask you for your support of the show to help produce the effort that we do here on a weekly basis for as little as two bucks a month. You can sign up on Patreon. Join the Patreon family. That would be fantastic. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We want to hear from you. Call us, leave us a brief voicemail, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo or a regular old-fashioned email to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We love you. We will see you next time. And until then, for Brittany Page, scratch that. And for Brittany E. Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. As the new year unfolds, make it a year of comfort and indulgence with Minky Couture. Wrap yourself in the lap of luxury with our exquisite blankets. Picture the cozy moments, the warmth of our premium materials, and the stylish designs that define Minky Couture. Welcome the new year with the ultimate in comfort and sophistication. January is your month to embrace luxury. Visit MinkyCouture.com or your nearest store today. Elevate your comfort, elevate your style with Minky Couture.